How you now have it pounded into your consciousness that he always leads us in triumph? Doesn't make any difference what's going on, what you see, what you witness, your positive things, your negative things, your successes, your failures. He always leads us in triumph. So if right now you're kind of in between the hard place and that triumph, you keep your faith out there because ultimately he's going to lead you where? It never leads you into defeat, never leads you into destruction. He leads you into triumph. Well, I want to talk about uh, emotionalism, and I want you to understand, first of all, some terminology before we get into this, because God made you the way you are. Some of you are not sure about that. Let me try that again. God made you the way you are. Uh, you are a spirit, you have a body, and you have a soul, mind, will, and emotions. Now, the question is, what part of that has been made perfect by the new birth? The answer to that question is, the spirit man has been made perfect. But your mind, your will, your emotions, your body are still going through the process of sanctification and glorification. The restoration of God's glory on your life. So it should be no surprise to you that the emotional realm is one of the most difficult realms to deal with, even as a believer, in terms of getting it to line up with God's best. So I just want to start by saying this to you. Emotion makes for a terrible Lord. You and I confess that Jesus is Lord. If he really is, then day by day we're not going to take our commands and cues from what we feel. But we're going to take them from the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And to the extent that we do that, we're on the right track. But many, many people do not do that. Now all of us have emotionality. Let me define this term emotionality because I, I believe in a, an emotionally healthy spirituality. We don't have a spirituality that is abusive, that is neglectful, that is somehow a distortion and all over the land there is a distortion now. There are voices that tell you that man should sit in judgment over the word of God. No, I say the word of God is something that's over the man in authority to the man. So you have all these voices that are out there, and so the spirituality should be healthy, but I want you to know that it's even more important to have a spiritually healthy emotionality. And what does that mean? It means the degree of your observable behavior and speech that's prompted by your emotion. Everybody has emotionality. Not all of us have healthy emotionality. Not all of us can feel things and still stay consistent with the Word of God. This is critically important. How many really want to be in triumph this year? Raise your hand if you want to be more than a conqueror. Well, listen, you can have everything it takes and then mess up in this area, and it can throw you completely out of balance and off the things of God and the good things that He has for you. Now, contrast that with emotionalism. That's the tendency to live under the habitual indulgence in and display of emotion. In other words, your emotions rule you. Your emotions control you. You're not doing what the Word says or what the Spirit of God says. You're doing what your strongest feelings tell you to do. Now, just as in spirituality is indicated by not just what you believe, but what you do, that's spirituality. Emotionality is not just what you feel, but it's what you do with those feelings. Say it with me, my emotionality is feeling and doing. That's the problem so many have right there. To feel something strongly and yet not react in attitude, words, or behavior is a key indicator of spiritual development in your life. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm growing up. I am maturing. 
Say it with me. I can feel something very strong and not yield to it. Let's try that one more time. I can feel something very strong and not, not act on it. Well, God gave us our emotions. Do you agree with that? And you've heard me say this a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand times more because this is one of the renewal areas for the average Christian. God gave us our emotions to experience life. God did not give us our emotions to run our lives. And if your emotions run your life, they will not run you in the path and direction of God's best. Everybody deals with this to a certain extent, but there are some people, maybe even in this room, your life is marked by this tendency. And because of that, you're living far below your privileges and far below what God would have you live. Emotionalism is not just feeling something, but habitually acting on those feelings and usually producing adverse results in negative circumstances. I mean, surely even sitting here, you can think of the time you shot your mouth off and it didn't turn out that well. If you don't believe that, two words for you, Facebook. <laughs> we live in a day that if you don't say the right thing, the bullies on social media will blast you. And now, if you remain silent, they blast you. You can't win with these people. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? They have, are experts on everything. They're experts on COVID-19. They are experts on social distancing. They are experts on vaccinations. And they are experts on the race issue. The reality is, you know, people that have learned to be emotive, they can feel something and have the common sense not to say something. Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you have to share it on Facebook or anywhere else. And don't be bullied into saying something because everyone thinks you should. The Bible tells us to be quick to listen. Slow to post. Some of that slipped past a couple of you. Let me try it one more time. Quick to listen. Slow to post or speak. Slow to become what? Angry because the what? The anger of man does not work about the righteous life that God desires to be able to feel and act appropriately based on that. That's what being healthy in terms of emotions is all about. Now, many people, including blood-bought saints of God, have been trained in life you know, to live at the beck and call of their feelings. And you can always tell so because they will veer off over here and they'll veer off over here, they'll go over here and they'll go over there. There comes a time where you want to settle down and be strong. Let me say this, it's okay to be Christian and boring. It's not okay to be Christian and flaky. There comes a time, you say, what's going on? Are they not saved? No, they're saved. I bet you're not spirit-filled. No, they can be spirit-filled. I bet you don't believe the Word of God like we do. Yeah, they believe the Word of God. What's the problem? The problem is they're not reigning in their emotions. All of you are born again. All of you are spirit-filled. All of your convictions on the Word of God in a moment can be overturned by an emotion you yield to God never told you to yield to. That's how powerful the emotions are. But we're never designed to run you, as I have said. Many people run at the beck and call of their feelings. In fact, emotions, not the word, have become their highest reality and greatest authority in their lives. Could you imagine making your emotions the highest authority? The greatest influence. Nobody's going to even today be honest in this room and say, you're right, I've made my emotions my highest reality. Some people aren't even aware that they're doing that. But how many let the Holy Ghost search you today? 
I said, how many will let the Holy Ghost search you today and show you if, in fact, this is your pattern, your modus operandi, the way you operate? Emotion makes a terrible Lord over our lives. They're fickle, unstable, contradictory, and always changing. The Word of God is the same. Jesus is yesterday, today, and forever what? Unchanging. The Word of God abides and dwells forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will what? Not pass away. Don't hook yourself to your emotions. Hook yourself to the Word of God, and you'll be unchangeable as well. Amen. Hallelujah. It's time for those, those life-controlling emotions to be put in their place, fire them, and put Jesus back on the throne of your life. Come on, shout it out. Jesus is Lord. Jesus. Come on, shout it out. Say, Jesus, Jesus. Is, is Lord, Lord. not what I feel. Now, that's a confession that we can make easily in church, but living this out day to day when there are so many goofy people out there? Amen. One of the reasons I, I don't go to Walmart that much is because of the sideshow. <laughs> oh, yes. You and I can't say because of so-and-so, I'm like this, you have to take personal responsibility for letting your emotions run the show. What are some consequences of the emotion ruled life? Just real quickly today. Number one, uh, it distorts reality. Emotion is a terrible interpreter of events. Horrible. In fact, if you jump to the emotion, you will not see things clearly, which means you will not respond clearly as well. Number two, it will destroy your peace and tranquility. Can I tell you something? Protect the peace and tranquility of your heart and your home like nothing else. Let me say that again. Protect it. There's nothing more valuable than having that in your home. And if you have, you know, people that are stealing that from you that drive by, then just, just put up a sign that says no strife here. Even put the address of somewhere they can go. But don't let him in your house to destroy the peace that passes all understanding that keeps your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Third, it compromises your destiny. It'll push you off of God's best and his plan for your life. Fourth, it negatively influences others. There are more people that are moved by emotion than reason or the unction of the Spirit of God, so you've got to be careful with this. Number five, it's counterproductive. It almost always hurts and it never helps when you yield that way. Number six, if it gets more emotionalism. If you sow a motion-run life, you're going to reap more of it. In fact, you're going to produce a habit that's pretty hard to break. Number seven, it will lead you astray. Emotion is deception's best friend. It's not enlightenment. Listen to me carefully. It's not enlightenment if your so-called revelation contradicts the plain teachings of Scripture. My friend, that's called deception. And emotion can be the first step towards that deception. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they believe. I don't care what they're doing. In reality, this is how I feel, so this is the reality. No, that's a bad way to live. You know, you can't be teachable and controlled by your emotions at the same time. And I'll show you that from Scripture. Number eight, it causes strife. Even though the Bible says the servant of the Lord must not be in what? In strife. If you get into strife, that same passage tells us we become captive to do the will of the devil. Emotionalism leads you into a place of strife, and that will stop you from doing God's will. Now you become a tool of the devil. Come on, poke somebody and tell them. 
You're not supposed to be a tool of the devil. You're supposed to be an instrument for God's glory. Come on, say to me, I'm an instrument for God's glory. Shout it out loud, I'm an instrument for God's glory. I don't have time to be a tool for the devil. Amen. Well, I would, I would never on purpose follow the devil. All you have to do is yield to emotions. You'll find yourself doing more his will than God's will. Number nine, you live by the itch. Constantly anxious, constantly got to be moving around, constantly got to be knee-jerking all over the place. Though your lives become programmed to live by impulse rather than the spirit, the sons and daughters of God are led by the spirit of God, not by fleshly impulse. And the man of God, the woman of God, won't move until the Spirit of God has given them that unction. That's why you'll find an awful lot of decisions, even in the body of Christ, didn't come from the Spirit or the Word. They came from emotion. And that's why they're so disastrous in the end. And sometimes you can't perceive that they're a bad decision until you look back on your life. 15, 20 years have gone by, whatever, and all the things that God had for you were compromised by a decision made with a flaky influence like emotions. Do you know that God has more for you than that? Come on, say it with me. God has more than that. Why do people become emotion ruled? Well, there are a lot of reasons for that. First of all, it's taught and modeled for them. Some people grow up, you know, and that's, the, that's how things are done. And they see that and they replicate in their, in their, in their own lives. You have to make up your mind, I, just because somebody else is this way, I don't have to be that way. Are you still here at church? Number two, they have little emotional intelligence. What does that mean? It means you understand your emotions and feelings, and you're able to understand and manage them, but you're also able to understand and manage the emotions of others. In other words, you don't have to react just because they did. A lot of people don't have much understanding of this. The world would call it emotional intelligence. We would take it up to a higher level than that and talk about emotional sanctification and emotional glorification where the glory of God is operating through us emotionally rather than just what we feel. I tell you what, God is getting ready to pour his spirit out upon this land like never before. God has ordained that we would be part of this great awakening. You're sitting in the miracle capital of the world. So you don't feel like it? Well, I'm telling you what, God is doing amazing things in you and through you. And if you feel like he's sparking your heart today, there's a reason for that. To become what you're called to be. Number three, there's a lack of communication and relational skill in their life. And so the only thing they can do is blow up or act out or just begin to emote rather than actually you know, communicate and connect with people. Number four, they, there's a tendency to use emotions for manipulation and control. Some of you found out that you can control the room, control the house, control the home with your emotions. I'll just sit down right here and let you dwell on that for just a minute. Because <laughs> people can find out that they can take control over the atmosphere if they'll just release those emotions. Other people have gotten used to backing away from that, and so you get to do whatever you want to do. There are men that manipulate their wives this way. All he has to do is just show a little frustration, show a little anger, show you know a little intensity, and then she begins to back down. That's not healthy spirituality or emotionality. In fact, if you're a man of God, you're supposed to be nurturing them, covering them with prayer, amen, washing them with the water like with the word of God according to scripture. And there are um, some women 
I'll just leave it right there and just move on. So they can do the same thing. They can show emotion. I'm not talking about being unemotional. Everybody has emotions, but what are you doing with those? And you may be, you may be the, the weaker vessel scripturally in terms of one uh, in need of a covering. But let me tell you something. That doesn't mean that you're not powerful. There's a few amens in this here church. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if you learn this, I can control that man with my emotions. You may never break that cycle. In fact, somebody can come right up to you and give you revelation. You don't realize this, but your, your habit is to do this. They'll look at you cross-eyed like you're crazy. And then turn the corner and go, can you believe what that pastor said? No, you don't have an emotional problem at all, do you? Yes, amen. Next, they habitually walk in the flesh and not the spirit. There's a habit developed, and now, because you're not disciplined, it's easy to be undisciplined with your emotions, isn't it? Just let it fly. Give them a piece of your mind. Some of y'all have been spreading out your pieces of mind all over the county. You don't have any left. Peace of mind here, peace of mind there. Many use it as a coping mechanism for trauma, abuse, or neglect. In fact, when you are, go through trauma, abuse, or neglect, one of the things that you, only, you have, you think, is your emotional life. And if you're not careful, you begin to have an unhealthy emotionality because of what you've been through. Can I tell you something? Just like the Lord Jesus can heal a broken bone, save a lost sinner, he can heal you emotionally and put you back into a functional place if you want that. But listen to me carefully. You can't milk that and get healed at the same time. You must decide, I don't want this a part of my life and let the Lord touch that. You know, people tend to protect certain things they think would be disadvantaged for them to be healed. Can I tell you something? You're nothing but advantaged in that area if the Lord heals it. Amen. Glory to God. We must not subject the perfect spirit to that which is imperfect, unreliable, and unpredictable emotionally. Amen? You and I have this wonderful gift of the new birth. And under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that spirit should be connected with the Holy Spirit, and that's how you should be running your life, not by what you feel moment by moment. Amen. Let me say it again. Maturity is the ability to feel something strongly. There's nothing wrong with your feeler. Listen to me. You just put it back in place. You put it where it belongs. Hallelujah. No one... Anywhere in this word, no one is ever rewarded for letting their emotions rule their lives. No one. And there's no one in this room that will be rewarded ultimately for running your life by emotions. When you look at scripture, you think to yourself, you know, if it's going to not benefit me, what happens? You'll find that people in scripture, when they let their emotions be you know, what rules them, it ends up in loss, not in gain. How do you know that God hadn't called you to lose? He's called you to be more than a conqueror. He's called you to succeed. 
the reason Todd gave you that, that uh, verse is because the word success, prosperity, victory, triumph, peace, wholeness, shalom, it's all wrapped up in the same concept. And that's what God's called you to be. But hey, you see God's people in trouble in Scripture, and when I see God's people in trouble, and if you're honest, when you see God's people in trouble, it's usually because of the emotionality issue. Their emotion ruled their life, even in a split moment, and boom. One of the things that disturbs me uh, about the story coming out of Minneapolis and what happened to that gentleman that day on that sidewalk is I saw a callousness and an indifference in that white officer's eyes. And I saw three others just sitting there, let him just suck the life out of that man. It wasn't that he was in a rage. It wasn't that he was in some kind of, you know, an insane emotional fit, just cool, calculated murder of this man in front of all of our eyes. And justice will take place. I said justice will take place. Don't be any, you don't make any mistake about that. God is, is in the middle of the thing. God is going to make sure that's going to happen. But listen to what I'm saying today. You and I, if we're not careful, we think that somehow to be this way, moved by emotion, is somehow to our gain. It's not. It's to your loss. Well, I'll just bottle up and I'll just, the problem is you'll bottle up and you'll explode. There'll be collateral damage. There always is. Amen. When you look at the Bible, you think to yourself, all right, yeah, a lot of people just let it fly and look at the damage it caused. What if Saul had made David an ally instead of throwing spears at him? The greatest, most anointed warrior in the land? Could that be useful? Do you see what emotion does? What if King Uzziah had relented when the priest confronted him instead of getting furious? He'd have kept his authority, his throne, his palace, his life. What if Judas had called out to God in repentance? Totally dominated by emotions. Now, Scripture foretells through the prophetic eye of our God who is all-knowing, and it's written in Scripture that he would not do that. That does not take away from his free will. It just tells you that God knew what he would choose. What if Jonah stood on God's word instead of running from it the first time? Jonah had learned the hard way. How come we're like that? I like what Doc Barkley said. That whale wasn't judgment on Jonah. It was transportation. What if Cain had listened to God? Hey, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. And what? You must master it. In one ear, out the other, yielding to emotion. How powerful is emotion? God himself can tell you don't yield to it, and people will still yield to it. What if Moses had spoken to the rock instead of striking it? What if Peter told the crowd when they said, surely you were with him, you know him? Yes, I know him. Wouldn't that have been an interesting story? Well, he would have been taken out too. No, God had a plan for him after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, so he would not have. Listen to me. You're not in trouble in the plan of God. You're in trouble out of the plan of God. What if the rich young ruler had stayed for the rest of the sermon? going to talk about him in just a moment. 
Jesus wept, expressed joy, anger, anxiety in the garden, but his emotions were not allowed to override God's will or God's word. Not one time. Amen. Go to Mark 10 for just a moment. What if the rich young ruler had stayed for the rest of the sermon? That's a great question. What if you stay for the rest of the series? Amen. What if you stayed where God planted you? You know, it's not unusual for things to be released after we bail out. Amen. In this case, much was lost. Let's just uh, look at this scripture, and then I want to make some observations for you today. Because when I see this, I see a lot of truth here, but I want you to see it through the eyes of this concept. He is being given an emotionality test. And anybody that we promoted in the kingdom of God must pass the emotionality test to feel strongly and then still do what your God is telling them to do. In uh, chapter 10, verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees. Before him, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Now watch this. Jesus looked at him. And couldn't stand him. No. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Now, the one thing that you and I should be focused on in this context is not necessarily the same thing as your neighbor. One thing you lack, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. This man is being given an apostolic ministry opportunity, but Jesus knew where his heart was. How many of you know that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also? Do you know that you are one of the only churches anywhere in the country that actually increased during COVID-19 financially? Uh, God's not... God didn't have any problem with that. Do you see this? But this man's being given an opportunity, an apostolic opportunity, but his heart was not towards the things of God. It was towards his possessions. Yes, he kept, you know, jot and tittle of the law, but he did not have his heart fully engaged. This is his emotionality test. How's he going to respond? What's he going to do? What's he going to say? What's he going to say to the Lord? What's going to be his next action? Is it going to be spirit-directed and led and step into his office? Or is he going to express an emotion and then obey that emotion? At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had what? Great wealth. 
Now read on with me. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at this, at these words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And this means more than just enter. It means the ways of God's doing, being God's ways of doing and being right. It's how the kingdom works. You can't work in a kingdom when your heart is somewhere else. Aren't you glad your heart is with him? Amen. Amen. Watch this. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Why would they say that? Because we don't know all the details of all of them, but many of them were very well to do before they met Jesus. And they gave up many things to follow him. Some gave everything. They were amazed. And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Turn to somebody and say, Yahoo, there's still hope for you. <laughs> Peter said, We've left everything to follow you. Now turn to somebody and say, you got to stay for the whole sermon. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me on the gospel will fail to receive, what? A hundred times as much in where? This present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecution in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. If he had stayed... For the rest of the sermon, he would have found out that in this life, he wouldn't be making a bad deal here. He would have made the deal of his life. Yeah. Look at somebody and tell him, but he didn't stay to the end of the sermon. He didn't hang out long enough to see what God was going to do. He got the itch. He got emotionally disturbed, went away sad. Watch this. If we're going to be advanced, especially in the day that we live in, we're going to have to pass the emotionality test. And it means, are we going to feel something and then act on it contrary to God's will and best for us? Now, with this young man, it was, uh, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, come follow me, you'll have treasure in heaven, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But for you, it might be something else. <laughs> Some of you are saying, can we just go back to him? <laughs> I prefer to go back to him, if you don't mind. Before we go back to him, think about this. It's possible for you to have something that the Lord would deal with you about that would cause an emotional reaction on your part. What you do at that moment in time can be the difference between your advancement, your victory, your triumph, your success, or failure, or at least, you know, walking about in the outback lost for years. Amen. I knew a man that was very, very sharp. So was his wife. Uh, he worked in uh, what is called a federal job. And when they found out that we actually encouraged and expected people to get involved and serve, their response was, I can't do that because we're busy. We work. How many out there work too? <laughs> the Bible doesn't say this only applies to people who don't work. But I've often thought about the many ways that God could have used him with his skills, but never materialized. Because it was go to meet and every once in a while, a little dabble, do you go to Sunday, whatever, and that's it. No, 
How many glad Jesus didn't have that mentality for you and for me? Well, I've been up on this cross long enough. I'm coming down. I'm not going to die for y'all. Spitting on me, ragging on me. Amen. Gambling for my clothes. I'm out of here. Aren't you glad that Jesus stayed? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Watch this. He was asking the right question. What should I do? You and I sometimes will ask God that question. What should I do to get to the next level? And then we don't like the answer. He was living the right way. I mean, he's good church folk. In our context, he'd be born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, word of faith, amen, drinking gunpowder suit and biting the back of the chair out. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's asking the right question. He's living right. He's obviously a very moral young man. But Jesus didn't care about his possessions. He was probing to find out what possessed the young man's heart. Notice how fast the young man went from asking the right questions to documenting his moral life to moving away mad and sad. Sounds like a scripture being read over there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. going to help her out, Charlie. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Watch this. He is controlled by an emotion. Sadness. What do I got to do to be saved? I've been doing all this since I was a young man. Yes, but one thing you lack. Tells him what that is, and he goes away with an emotion. You and I are honest, especially even as, as children of God. There are a lot of decisions and things we have done that God wasn't within a thousand miles of. The Lord emotion read up his ugly head and said, you should do this. And you're like, you know, we should do this, bless God. Amen. And if you're not careful, you'll start trying to confuse emotional reaction with spiritual prompt. They're not the same thing. In fact, God will never use your emotions to prompt you to do anything. Like the rich young ruler, many people lose out on God's best because they don't stay for the rest of the sermon. Never let an emotion hinder or stop you from hearing God's word. Oh, oh Christian people don't do that. Okay, uh, come to church with me tomorrow. Uh, I'm too tired for that. What was that? Their emotions were running the show. Well, did you read your Bible and pray? Oh, I'm too tired to do that today. I've had a hard week, difficult times, you know, challenging times. You'd be, you'd be amazed how many daily things you do or don't do as a child of God based on how you feel. And I'm feeling all the love right now, just basking in it. Look at somebody and tell them you do a lot of things from an emotional center. Amen. Watch this. This young man lost out on an apostolic call in ministry because of an emotion. He failed the emotionality test and he was disqualified for a higher office. How sad is that? Over a feeling. That's why when that man's saying feelings, nothing more than feelings, 
What did he sing next? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Because when you operate by feelings, you end up saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Amen. Now, Lisa Leslie, the young lady you saw, that's from uh, North Central University's graduation of 2018. Uh, they're based out of San Diego, California now. She, uh, she gave a message that was a part of it that absolutely delighted everybody there. First of all, it was only 18 minutes long. When King Bashir's daddy spoke over here at Murray State, I think it was 50 minutes and we were all sleeping by the time that ended. First of all, it was short, but it was powerful. Now, I want you to see this. Grew up in Compton, California with a single parent. Every reason to be angry and mad and completely run by her emotions. But instead of doing that with the influence of her mom, she focused on living her life constructively making choices. And one of the things I love about it is her spiritual references to prayer and the Lord. That is not a Christian university. Boldly saying that prayer is why I succeed. What did she accomplish? She's in both halls of fame for basketball. She's the most successful basketball player in the history of the women's sport. She has five gold medals from Olympics. She is a commentator for one division of basketball. She even made a movie. Written the book, holds a master's in business administration, but she could have done what? She could have yielded to a world of emotions and everything God had for her would have been compromised. At the end of the day, it's not what everybody else does, it's what you do. At the end of the day, your advancement is you passing the emotionality test. Nobody can stop you if you pass that test. People believe that somebody can. They're believing a false belief. Hallelujah. And you know and I know that there are some people who live to make other people upset. That's their spiritual gift. And you and I can't take the bait. Turn to somebody and say, revert to your boring self. Instead of taking the bait. Amen. Hallelujah. Charlie, I'm just delighted to see you, my brother. I love you. We love you. You're, you're here. Well, let me just tell you about this fella. <laughs> why is it significant? I'm going to tell you why. And I believe it's God ordained and God, God ordered today. When we were in the other building, a man named Hilton Sutton came to speak for us. Dr. Sutton was an expert um, in the book of Revelation, end times, and also, also the Holy Spirit. He's based out of Humboldt, Texas, and literally preached all over the world. When Brother Copeland got delivered from cigarette smoking, it's because he sat under Hilton Sutton meeting for three weeks, twice a day. By the third week, he hadn't even noticed, he hadn't even smoked anymore, never picked him up again. Powerful man of God with a legacy, speaking in every kind of church, teaching on the things of God. He's had every kind of great pastor in fellowship with him, every kind of great church, every kind of help team, every kind of ministerial staff that came across his path. And when he came here, we put Charlie in charge of his care. The minister, Dr. Sutton, you know, get him something to eat, drive him around, just whatever he needs, you take care of him, make sure he has a great and pleasant stay. 
When Dr. Sutton left, he pulled me aside and he said, Pastor, I have been all over the world and I've never been treated like Charlie treated me. Yeah. Never. <laughs> and uh, I guess we ran into each other, what, about four weeks ago, five weeks ago in Lowe's. I was picking something up and I, and I see this guy that I kind of recognize coming down the other end. And we were socially distanced. And uh, he walks down, we get to, get to talk, and he tells me another part of that story that I really wasn't knowledgeable about. Uh, you and your dad went to see him, didn't you? Over at uh, in Humble, right? Rhodes, okay. And uh, his, uh, yeah, Rose and you went. His, his office is in Humble, and you walked into that office, and he had a, a few pictures on his desk, didn't he? picture with a royal, a picture with a politician, and a picture with Charlie. <laughs> huh? Hallelujah. Do you think that he might have made an impact on that great man of God? That's the potential that is in us. That's the potential that still resides in him. Why is this important? The rich young ruler, we don't know. Uh, some Bible scholars believe that he continued to follow along at a distance and eventually surrendered his life to Christ. We don't know. Some even call him a certain apostle's name. We don't know that for sure. I hope that's the case. But can I tell you something? Let's say that you made a terrible decision based on your emotions. I want you to pinch your neighbor to prove they're still alive. Go ahead. Give them an air pinch. You're still here. You can go back to Jesus and say, I blew up the first time you said it. Is the offer still good? And I'm telling you, the offer is still good for you. You can pick up right where you walked out, right where you got lazy, right where you got offended, right where you couldn't put things together right. You emotionally responded and walked out on what God had for you. You're still alive. I'll tell you what Charlie is. Charlie is the tip of the spear of the thousands that are returning to the houses of God all over the land. This is not a one-time deal. This is the spirit of God telling people. You made a decision. You let your emotions rule you. You still have time to go back and make it Jesus is Lord. He said, Pastor, do people get offended, get uptight, get sad, get mad? Absolutely. I'm telling you, I've seen people get offended over the littlest things. And they think that was God leading them. It's hot in this church. It's cold in this church. It's hot and cold. It's icy hot. The carpet's blue. I want red carpet. I want a refrigerated fountain. I want this at the potluck. I don't want to go to a potluck. Long before COVID-19. Thinking that God led that. 
So the rich young ruler just spins around, spins around, spins around, never having roots, never having victory, never having peace. Why is it not quite the same in your heart of hearts? Why is it not where it needs to be? Why have you not really progressed into your destiny? It's because Jesus had a similar offer for you. And some emotion, everybody say emotion, emotion. pushed you off that path. Do you know? that Charlie's best days are not behind him. They're in front of him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the name of the Lord. All you got to do is go back to that moment where you let that emotion move you, repent of it, and ask the Lord to pick you up from that spot. You'll be amazed what he can do. Amen. He is no respecter of persons. Turn to somebody and say that means he loves you. He's got a great plan for you. He's got a great purpose for you. But you can't run your life by emotions. I mean, coming to church and praise the Lord, hallelujah, raise your hands, clap, get in all this. Praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, glory to God, listen to the word, amen, every word. I always love Sister Carol, their mother, with Jesus right now. Amen. She'd amen everything. Good morning, amen. We're glad you're here at the harbor. Good, amen. Turn your Bibles, amen. The ushers are coming, amen. All through the sermon, amen, 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 amen. One time I was preaching on James, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Amen me with action. She goes, amen. <laughs> Praise God. You're still here. There's still time. Come on, stand to your feet and give the Lord a hand clap. Shout it out. There's still time. <laughs>